Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for Calvary Bible Church. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for just the way that you have loved us, that you have sent Christ to die for us. Thank you, Lord, for your your grace upon grace. Thank you for your tender mercies. Lord, we can only love because you have first loved us. And now, Lord, we want to continue worshiping you in spirit and truth and through your word. So, Lord, help us. Help us to to see it clearly, to understand it properly, to know it better and to grow ever closer with you and your son. Lord, deepen that relationship that we have with you. Help us, Lord, in this area of assurance and, Lord, being assured of our faith. We pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I am here to tell you this. $876 offers me assurance. That's right. It does, and it could for you too. It could for you too if you are between the ages of 40 and 61. For those of you between the ages of 0 and 9, that assurance actually drops down a bit, and it's only going to cost you $594.75. For those of you between the ages of 10 to 39, ooh, sorry, that's, that's the tough one, because your assurance goes up to a whopping $972.50. Now, senior saints, got some good news for you, 62 plus, the price of your assurance drops back down to $594.75, and I hope that you're asking the question right now, what kind of assurance are you talking about? What kind of assurance... Does this buy you? You, friends, would have the assurance of always, always having a California state fishing license. (laughs) No kidding. You would never again have to worry about those pesky game wardens checking you for your license because your assurance has been bought with a price of a lifetime fishing license. I was trying to count the days until October 1st of my birthday. If anyone needs any last-minute shopping ideas, I have yet to buy a lifetime fishing license. What about the assurance of your salvation? Something a little more meaningful, a lot more meaningful, something much more important. Is your assurance for sale? Can you buy it? Well, no, not exactly, but... Boy, people do try. They try and try. Is it possible, though, to even have the assurance of your salvation, the assurance of eternal life with Christ? And based on our eternal security message of late, you should know that the answer is a resounding yes. Since your salvation is something that you can't lose, you can't forfeit, you can't hand it back, you should be able to have 100% assurance of your salvation. But do you? Do you? And where this, where this trips Christians up is the fact that 
we don't always feel assured. We, we, we don't always necessarily feel saved. And because of this, we will at times maybe question or even doubt our salvation. So this week, we are going to wrap things up with our salvation and the sovereignty of God study that we have been going through by looking at, at this topic, the assurance of your salvation. Our sovereignty of God study began when we got to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Please go ahead and turn there and stand for the reading of God's word. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Where Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel. That you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren... Stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Friends, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Just to give you the briefest review, and I encourage you, if you have missed any of these in our series, please go online, go onto the church website and check them out kind of tried to put them in a a certain order that might make sense. We kicked things off with the depravity of man that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Part two then got us into talking about the fact that God chooses some for salvation. We focused on election and predestination and foreknowledge. Part three answered the question, why does God choose some and not others? And then in part four, we asked two more questions. If God desires all people to be saved... How come all people aren't saved? Followed by how does my free will fit in with God's sovereignty? Part five was all about the gospel, the appropriation, application, and results of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Part six, we focused on eternal security. And part seven was sanctification. We learned about sanctification in that positional sense. Uh, us and, and, and our relationship with the Lord in a progressive sense, what happens throughout our lifetime, and the perfected or glorified sense when we are with Christ. <clears throat> so here we are. The Bible has taught us all of these incredible doctrines concerning salvation and God's sovereignty. And, and, and let's say that you have agreed with these doctrines and, and you believe yourself to be saved You even believe in that doctrine of eternal security. Yet again, as I mentioned before, gosh, there just seem to be some times where you doubt. You doubt your salvation. And maybe even have gotten to that point where you're like, I don't know if I'm even saved. I I mean, was was I ever really saved? Was, Was I saved to begin with? Am I really saved now because... Sometimes I just don't feel very saved. You know, maybe maybe someone has asked you if you were a Christian and you've responded to them. Yes, but but somewhere in the back of your mind, there's this lingering 
doubt as to whether you really are or not. This happened to me. It happened to me on a film set working on, on a, a movie for Disney Channel. And, 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 and my co-star, we're at lunch. And he was a real kind of energetic guy and just kind of an in-your-face guy. And, and, it would, you know, and he said, we're at lunch. And he's like, so, are you a Christian? I'm like, whoa, dude, shh, just we're at lunch. You know, you don't just spout those things out, you know, publicly, loud like that. You know, it was one of those things. So, and of course, I answered, well, you, yes, because I grew up in the church. But that was the first time that somebody caused me to just stop and go, wait a minute. Am I? I, 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 don't, I don't really know. You know, it can be interesting to ask somebody on a scale of 1 to 10, how certain are you of your salvation? 10 being absolutely 100% rock solid sure, 1 being not sure, 5, 6, 7, whatever, you know, maybe I'm not really certain. Now, for a true believer, what should be the answer? Ten, right? That should be the answer. The problem is, even for some believers, they don't feel like a ten. Maybe they don't even feel like a nine or an eight. Maybe they feel like a seven or a six. And, and, and that's because you look at your life and, and you, you know your sinful thoughts and you know your sinful deeds and you, you think to yourself, I mean, Golly, how can I possibly be a Christian with the way I think and the way I act and the way I talk sometimes? And maybe we forget about mercy and grace and love of God. And we, we think, do I actually know God or, or am I just deceived? Am I lost? You know, maybe there have been times in your life where you've just been, bam, on fire for the Lord. Man, I'm excited. I, I love my Christian walk, and I'm, I'm out there, and I'm talking about it, and I'm sharing. And you think back to those times, you're just really con- excited for your faith. And, and you're thrilled by studying the Word and being in prayer and serving and giving. You're just this hot, blazing furnace of fire for the Lord. And then maybe you look at other times in your life, or maybe even right now, And your spiritual life just seems like, gosh, maybe smoldering coals? You know, maybe even lukewarm? And you wonder, why is that? How can I be on fire one minute, cold the next, or lukewarm somewhere in between? And friends, I do believe that that two of Satan's strategies is to try... And get someone to think that they are saved when they're not. And to try and get someone who is saved to think they're not. He's working at things from both directions. And he wants to keep the unsaved his prisoners. And he wants to keep the saved from growing in their salvation and growing and doing the Lord's work. He doesn't want them to be used. He doesn't want you to be used, me to be used in the sharing and the spreading of the gospel. He wants Christians to be unproductive and ineffective where the gospel is concerned, like that lukewarm church of Laodicea. In Revelation 3, 15 and 16. And friends, we have to remember that though we be saved, it is not some kind of immunization against sin. As we've learned many times from Scripture, we still live in these sin-cursed bodies, 
Bodies that have yet to be glorified and therefore are still under sin's corruption. Now, what has been changed is the fact that God has made the immaterial parts of you into a new creature. You have been regenerated. You have been renewed, spiritually speaking. And though the cravings of our flesh are still very active at times and sinful, we also know that we are continually being sanctified. We are being made more and more into the image of Christ as you progress through this life as a believer. Amen? And part of the way that happens is then through daily. I stress the daily. (laughs) And I stress this for myself first and foremost. Daily confession and repentance. So the question we want to pose this morning is can you be sure of your salvation? How can you know that you are saved? What assurances do you have? Is there that way that you can be 100% proof positive of your salvation, even when you don't necessarily feel very saved? And friends, I am happy to report that yes, yes, without a doubt, you can. And part of this goes back to that message on eternal security and the fact that Scripture does teach that once you are saved, you are saved unto eternity. Amen? That that is something that, again, we can't lose, forfeit, give back, have it taken away, anything like that. But in addition to that, God gives us, He gives us some ways to be assured. And and this morning we're going to focus on three, three primary ways That you can be sure of your salvation. Three forms of evidence of your salvation. And and here I, I borrow from a friend's outline. The first is found outside of yourself. And so we'll call it outside evidence. This has nothing to do with thoughts or, or feelings or emotions, but instead it comes from the Bible as our objective source of truth. Secondly, We will look at the kind that comes from inside yourself. We'll call that internal evidence. This includes the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But it can involve feelings and emotions as well. And then the third kind of evidence that uh, which can be um, observed or experienced by you yourself and others. So let's start with the first outside evidence outside evidence we've already said that these evidences come from the bible right and specifically the gospel and the promises of god many of which we've already considered over these past uh, seven messages the bible is outside evidence of your salvation speaks to the fact that you were chosen before the foundation of the world to be saved in god's perfect timing he removed the blinders from your eyes Spiritually speaking, he drew you to himself. He granted to you the mercy, grace, faith, even the ability to repent of your sins and believe the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That we are sinners desperately in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus because he is God. Came to this earth fully God fully man, 
he would experience all the temptation we could ever experience, but do so without sin. Therefore, because of that, he could be the perfect sacrifice for us. He would be uh, an acceptable offering to the Lord for the Lord's forgiveness of sins. All of God's wrath against sin will be poured out on him, was poured out on him. He died on that cross in our place. His body broke for us. His blood shed for us. He goes into the ground, buried in the tomb, dead, dead, dead. But three days later, resurrects unto eternal life. Therefore, we know that we too can have that grace gift of resurrection. That we have been forgiven of our sins. And the call to us then is to repent and believe. Turn away from your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And at some point, that's exactly what you as a believer did. Right? You did that. The, the Bible tells you exactly what needs to happen. God does his part in saving you. You respond or responded with faith and repentance. And it carries with it then a specific result. You are saved. If I, if I made a statement, <clears throat> oh, we all ate some yummy food at family camp. Yeah, we're going to talk food, Arvin. Yeah, it is right now. If I made that statement, we all ate yummy food at family camp. What would be the outside evidence that was true? Well, for breakfast one morning, two of our campers made pancakes for everyone. You could have a little blueberries inside or chocolate chips. And you saw them cooking on the grill and you put them on your plate and and then for lunch, oh, lunch, some people went into solving and got something with a Danish flair. Julie and I went in and had those apple skeevers, the Danish pancake balls with yummy berry syrup all over them. And, and then for dinner, we'd get that giant barbecue grill going, right? And everybody's putting on, oh, man, just tasty meats and meat and meat and meat and, and, and you know, fish and chicken and sausages and you name it, steak. It was all there. And then, of course, you could see people enthusiastically chomping away and getting all those side dishes and salads and, oh, man, and then comes dessert. And we were introduced to some really cool desserts. You know, we had s'more cones and this thing called pole pies. And then the Hershey's broke out the Dutch ovens and made Dutch oven cake for everybody. And all of this, friends, was the outside objective evidence of us eating yummy food at family camp it's just the truth it was the truth we could see it we could touch it we could eat it and we did it happened the outside evidence for your salvation comes from the bible it's right here the bible is what contains the gospel and what Jesus did to secure your salvation and the response required of you. And if these things happen, you will be saved. That is the outside evidence of your salvation. It is outside, it is objective, 
This is verse 13 of our 2 Thessalonians 2 text where we read God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. And then in verse 14, it was for this he called you through our gospel. It's the gospel that is that outside evidence. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Man, I don't have my jacket on. It feels warm here today. Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. While you do, while you're turning there, I'm just going to read to you a different passage. Keep turning to Romans 10. And I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians, <coughs> excuse me, 15, verses 3 to 4. It's, it's a passage many of you are familiar with. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What Jesus did, friends, here in this passage to secure your salvation is the outside evidence of your salvation. It, it's part of the outside evidence of your salvation. Now, Look at Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. Romans 10, verse 8, where Paul asks the question, but what does it say? He's referring back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord... And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Skip down to verse 13. He says, forever, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. That is this outside evidence. It's God's word, beloved. It is his promises. That is this outside evidence of salvation. What he has told you to do is is the outside evidence of your salvation. These are God's promises to you. You can trust him because, of course, God is 100% trustworthy. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, John says something similar. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, those who who are spiritually born again are only rebirthed because of the will of God. They are not born again. You and I are not born again because of anything our flesh did or or because we willed it to be so, but only because God willed it. God willed it to be so before the foundation of the world, back in eternity past. And for these people who are God's elect, they are made known because they received Jesus through His gospel. They became, you became children of God when you believed in His name. Is this you? Is this you, friends? Have you been born again by God and received Jesus by faith? Then you are saved. 
And these facts represent your outside evidence of salvation. Promises fulfilled by God. 19th century Presbyterian evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman told this story. He said, I will tell you how to be saved and how you may know you are a Christian. I was studying for the ministry and I heard that D.L. Moody was to preach in Chicago. And I went down to hear him. I finally got into him after the meeting and I shall never forget the thrill that went through me when he came and sat down beside me, an inquirer. And he asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, Mr. Moody, I am not sure whether I am a Christian or not. He asked whether I was a church member and I said I was, but was not always sure whether I was a Christian or not. He very kindly took his Bible and opened it to the fifth chapter of John, the 24th verse, which read as follows. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, suppose you had read that for the first time. Wouldn't you think it was wonderful? I read it through. And he said, do you believe it? I said, yes. Do you accept it? I said, yes. Well, are you a Christian? (sighs) Mr. Moody, uh, I sometimes think I am, and, and sometimes I'm afraid that I am not. He very kindly said, read it again. So I read it again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from life unto death unto life. And then he said again, Do you believe it? I said, yes. Do you receive him? I said, yes. Well, he said, are you a Christian? I started to say over again that sometimes I was afraid I was not. When the only time in the years I knew him and loved him, he was sharp with me. He turned on me with his eyes flashing and said, See here, whom are you doubting? Then I saw it for the first time. That when I was afraid, I was not a Christian, I was doubting God's word. And I read it again with my eyes now overflowing with tears. And since that day, I've had many sorrows and many joys, but never have I doubted for a moment that I was a Christian because God said it. Now, what I ask you, what I ask you to do is to plant your feet upon this promise and say, yes, from this moment, I know I am a Christian. End quote. Let's look at our second form of evidence. Internal evidence 
internal evidence. At family camp, not only did we have that outside evidence that we ate yummy food, namely the food itself being the evidence and, and, and us cooking it and then shoving it you know, into our mouths, but we also had internal evidences of the fact that we were eating yummy food. In other words, once it went into our mouths, we tasted it. Oh, we tasted bratwurst and burgers and burnt ends and chicken and fish and lime jello salad. Oh, which I love, by the way. And tortellini salad and chili and fruit and chips and dip and, you know, not to mention all those sweet tastes of desserts. Not only did we taste it, but we were changed by it because that tasty, flavorful food went down into our bellies. And it was good. It was very good. And we felt our bellies getting full filled the internal evidence of eating is found in the fact that it even makes you feel a certain way first those wonderful flavors and then and then being filled up now that could be for better or for worse right the internal evidence though of your salvation begins with the fact that upon your salvation the holy spirit enters into you lives in you dwells in you and abides in you What's more, you now have that Holy Spirit alive and well on into eternity. In 1 John four thirteen. by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. Of course, eternity were then glorified. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you in other words we should know that right the holy spirit has caused you friends to be born again john 3 3 the holy spirit has raised us up to newness of life romans 6 4 made you into a new creation a new creature in christ jesus of which the old things have passed away and behold new things have come Galatians 6.15 and 2 Corinthians 5.17. We see then the internal evidence, even in our text of 2 Thessalonians 2.13, where it says, Through sanctification by the Spirit, capital S, and faith in the truth. That's our internal evidence. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 14 verses 14 to 17 now romans 8 kind of kicks things off while you're turning there it kicks things off with this tremendous statement from paul in 8 1 you don't you can look there if you like but i want you to get to romans 8 14 where he says therefore there is now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, again, capital S, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's Romans 8, 1 to 2. Then let's go ahead and get down to verse 14. And I want you to look for more internal evidence of your salvation. All right. So as I read this passage, if you like to write or things, you know, in, in your Bible, you can you can underline things. But I want you to look for the internal evidences that we see from this passage of your salvation. He says, for all who are being led by the spirit of God. That's an underline, right? 
being led by the Spirit of God. These are sons of God, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Now, that's small s, talking about our spirit. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. And so, friends, in this text, the internal evidence, internal, not eternal, internal, I guess it's kind of eternal evidence too, huh? but internal evidence comes from being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, with that, there are feelings involved. Fear, it says, has been replaced. By what? Comfort. Comfort. And care for having been adopted as sons of God. We can now cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Right? The Holy Spirit testifies with our own spirit about this adoption. And because of this adoption, we are then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. How does that make you feel? It should make you feel pretty awesome. It should make you feel not fearful, but joyful. Maybe think we went to, there's a great... uh, uh, a new movie out by Christian filmmakers, the Kendrick brothers and Kirk Cameron's in it and executive producer. It's called Life Mark. And the, the basic theme is adoption. Highly recommend it. Go check it out in the theaters. It's great to support um, faith-based Christian filmmaking, uh, you know, if, if you're one that likes to go to the movies. So you can, you can go check that out. But friends, this is an, an amazing inheritance that we, we find out about here that we are receiving, it is one that should fill your soul with great joy because it is an inheritance of eternal life with God. You know, I can, <clears throat> I can think of much smaller things that I have gotten excited over in my life and have even looked forward to. I mean, even with family camp, as family camp starts nearing, you know, everybody starts getting excited and you're looking forward to it and you get this kind of joyful anticipation of going on a trip and you're packing everything and, and you're, you know, you get on the road and you're making your way there and maybe little butterflies in your stomach as you're excited for the adventure. Or even better, I just think about my wife all that she is to me, all that she means to me, how much I love her. Yeah, you start getting that warm and fuzzy feeling inside, that squishy feeling. You just love them so much. And, and you get the sensation that overwhelms you as to how you, how can I even love somebody this much, right? And we feel that way with our children, don't we? Most of the time, right? When they're getting good grades and acting obediently. But these are internal evidences, evidences of going on a trip or evidences of a special relationship with someone. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you is the internal, internal evidence of your salvation because the Holy Spirit is the one who has changed you, who has caused you to love and think and feel in brand new ways. He is the one who gives you joy and peace and hope and comfort, and encouragement, and contentment, just to name a few. Turn to Romans 5, just 
back up a few pages. Romans 5. Here, Paul lists a, a whole bunch of things that God does in and through a believer. Beginning in verse 1, we have peace with God. In verse 2, we have His grace and exult in the hope of the glory of God. And then we get to verse 3 in chapter 5. And it says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. If you like to underline things, you can start underlining these words. Perseverance Proven character, proven character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I mean, do you see the internal evidences here? Compliments of the love of God poured into your hearts through His Holy Spirit? Because these internal evidences are your assurance. They are your assurance. Philippians 4 and verse 7 tells us, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you have the peace of God? More internal evidences. This brings us to our third kind of evidence. What we will call observed or experiential evidence. This is evidence that, again, can be observed or it can be experienced by you, the believer, but it's also something that can be observed and seen by others about you. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Back to our passage, he says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. In other words, friends, if you stand firm in your faith and you hold to those traditions of Scripture that you were taught, this evidence will then be seen in your life by a watching world. A very watching world. Turn to 2 Corinthians. We'll just keep going going back to the left here. In our, excuse me, <laughs> to the right in our Bibles after Romans to the right. 2 Corinthians excuse me excuse me second corinthians 13 5 paul is wrapping up his letter with some last thoughts and exhortations when he says this he says this to the corinthians this is an important passage second corinthians 13 verse 5 Test yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Meaning the Christian faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Now, friends, if we were to go back to verse 3 for just a moment. Back in verse 3, Paul says, Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. Now, one of the themes of this letter of 2 Corinthians is Paul defending his apostleship. 
Paul defending his authority as an apostle. And so here in verse 3, Paul acknowledges the fact that the Corinthians were seeking proof that he was a Christian and an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also tells them that as far as they are Christians, Christ would be in them. And not just in them, but that Christ would be mighty in them. Okay? Returning to verse 5. Let's go back to verse 5. Paul's whole point is that if you're unsure of your salvation, what should you do? Test yourself. Examine yourself to see if indeed you are in the faith. That is, you need to evaluate your own spiritual life. Now, here's what's interesting. Both these words, test and examine, going back to the the Greek, these are what we call present active imperatives. And that tells us two, two major things. They're commands. But it also tells us they're not just one-time commands. They are to be ongoing, the habit of your life. You are to always be examining and testing yourself. To know if Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail the test. It's to be the regular habit of a believer. Don't just trust the past. Don't just trust your profession of faith or signing your name in a Bible or or going forward at an altar call or being baptized at church camp. Rather, trust in what is going on in your life right now. This moment. Test yourself now. Examine your life now to know that you are in the faith. Now, of course, at this point, I I hope that you want to know, what's the test? What's the test? How do I take it so I can know for sure? Look at verse 4. Verse 4, for indeed, he, Jesus, was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. The power of God directed toward you and you and you. Did you get that? This is, this is the sovereignty of God in your assurance. You are weak. I am weak. We come to Christ as sinners, unable to do anything good or righteous. Yet he saves you and he sanctifies you by the power of God directed toward you. This you know because of the word of God. Because the word of God says so, going back to that outside evidence, right? So how then does this power of God in you manifest itself? That's the test. That's the examination, friends. That's the observable, experiential evidence. Here's how it shows up. You remember the Romans 5.5 passage, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. So you have the Holy Spirit of God living and indwelling, abiding in you. The love of God that has been poured out into your hearts through the Spirit. Where does that love of God go? It goes out every pore of your body. 
It goes out. It goes out where it's, it's visible to others. It should be visible to yourself. It, it shapes you as a new creature, the new creature that you've become. And it will continue to shape you as you continue to become this new creature, affecting all you think and all you say and all you do. For instance, Jesus tells us the two greatest commands, right? What are they? Love God, love others. This is only possible because of the power of God through his Holy Spirit within you now coming out. It's got to come out. It's the power of God that grows you from the inside out, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Scripture tells us of all kinds of observable evidences that not only will you bear fruit, but you are to bear much fruit in John 15, 5. There's observable evidence when you keep Jesus's commands, John 14, 15, and 21. And when you keep his word in John 14, 23. And when you participate in good works, Ephesians 2, 10. And when you walk in a manner worthy of God's calling on your life, Ephesians 4, 1. And when you are seeking and setting your mind on heavenly things, Colossians 1, verses 1 to 3. And when you bear with one another, and when you forgive one another, Colossians 3, 13. And when all you do in word or deed is done in in the name of the Lord Jesus, while giving thanks, Colossians 3.15. And when you engage in good deeds in Titus 3. And when you are a doer of the word and not merely a hearer, according to James 1.22. And when you demonstrate your true saving faith by your good works. These are all internal evidences. Excuse me. These are all... Um, Experiential, thank you. Observable evidences is what I meant to say. They can be observed by you and they can be observed, experienced by others. There's also things like spiritual disciplines, right? There's things like Bible study and, 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 and taking in the word of God and, and prayer and giving and serving evangelizing, putting your spiritual gifts into practice. These are all observable, experiential things. Paul affirms experiential evidence when he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.25 about those deeds that are good are quite evident. Your good deeds will be quite evident. If they're not, maybe you're not doing any. Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 11, right off the bat, Peter is proclaiming the excellencies of God toward those who have believed. And he says this in verse 3. Seeing that his, God's divine power, right? There, just in parentheses for a minute, there's God's power again. God's power in the life of of a believer, seeing that his divine power has granted to us 
everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us. Oh, we see God's sovereignty there, right? In his calling of us by his own glory and excellence. Verse four, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Meaning, friends, that's the power of God in you. He says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Okay, so, so friends, here's how the power of God manifests in your life through the Holy Spirit. Here's the test. Here's the examination. Here's the observable experiential evidence. Look at verse 5. Now for this very reason also, underline this, applying all diligence. In your faith supply, underline, moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Friends, this is, that would be, that would be the Christian who would be way off track, what Paul says at the end there. It would be David at a time in his life. It would be Solomon at a time in his life. Look at verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. In other words, friends, always be testing and examining. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And again, friends, none of this means we're sinless. It doesn't mean we're sinless. In fact, 1 John 1, 8 to 9, here's another evidence. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And therein lies the key to another evidence, another way to pass the test as a Christian. Are you consistently constantly confessing and repenting of your sins do you hate your sin and the fact that it is an affront to a holy god that it grieves our lord and savior and the holy spirit inside of us is your desire to rid yourself of sin and to pursue righteousness for god's pleasure and glory and friends i would say just please consider your life right now And just to ask yourself some of these simple questions. Am I growing in my sanctification by becoming more like Christ or not? Am I becoming more like Jesus or not? Are there observable evidences of my salvation or not? And yes, look back at the last month or several months or even a year and ask have i been growing in the knowledge and understanding of the lord is my relationship with the lord is it 
Is it deepening? Is the fruit of the Spirit alive and well in my life? Are these qualities even increasing? We were talking about this in our, our Crossroads class a couple weeks ago. About how, how sanctification is usually not just that straight line, right? From us up to Christ. It tends to kind of go like this. Right? It, up and down, up and down. But the thing is, is, it's always going in that direction. Because he promises us that we will be sanctified. That our, our salvation will absolutely come to pass and we will be glorified. Because he who began a good work in you is perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus. We've got to wrap things up here. And as, as we do, friends, just a, a, a quick warning. A quick warning about the observable experiential evidences, especially they, they can be faked. They can be faked. People can do all kinds of good deeds and seemingly righteous acts. And they can come to church and they can, you know, give to the church. And they can walk around with their Bibles and they can show up at fellowship events and family fun Friday nights. And they can, they can even, you know, serve in the church. And, and you know, maybe they, they are upstanding citizens in the community. And yet the love of God is actually far from them. They are not even true believers. Now, here's the catch about these three things that we've talked about this morning. Here's the catch, if you will. If you are missing any one of these three, you failed the test. And one of, one of two things is true. If these three things are not all three evidence in, in, in your life, then one of two things are true. As, as we read in our text of Romans... Jesus Christ is not in you. And you need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you are in sin. You're in sin. Either way, you would need to repent. So if you're thinking, I, well, I, I think I have one. I, I might have two. It's not enough. It's not enough. All three must be present to give you full and complete assurance. That would be according to God's word. Again, you have that outside evidence. That which you know to be true from the word of God, the gospel and salvation, and your repenting and believing. There's that internal evidence. That which you know to be true from inside of you. Compliments of the Holy Spirit bearing testimony that you have believed and that you are indeed being changed on the inside. And then lastly, again, there's that observable experiential evidence, that which manifests itself externally. It can be observed, it can be experienced by you and others as you walk in the Spirit and as you bear much fruit and as you repent of your sins and participate in spiritual disciplines. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for... This morning, again, and what we have learned, what we have learned from your word. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a good time for each and every one of us, Lord, to take stock, to examine ourselves, to test ourselves and see where we are at. Unless we would fail the test and realize that one, Jesus Christ is not in us. Or that, Lord, maybe there are some issues of sin that we need to deal with so that we can 
Be assured, Father, be assured from that outside and internal and observable evidences of our salvation. We thank you for this and for the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Scripture quotations taken from the New American Standard Bible. Copyright by the Lockman Foundation.